Won't keep you super long, but I definitely have a word to share today. Go to Luke 19, if you would. That's going to be our scripture as we read the Word of God here in just a moment. As you're turning there, I do want to mention, uh, I haven't had anybody ask, but I know as you pull in and still see the sign in the condition that it is, um, that's about another week to two weeks. And I just want to say, from me as pastor to you guys as the congregation, thank you so much for sacrificially sewing into helping finish that. And it's on the way. They're waiting on two more parts to finish putting it together. And we'll finally have our sign up. But I just want to give God some praise right now. Because we, listen, we were able to raise over $15,000 for the sign. Come on, let's give God some glory for that. And I, I just want to say today that uh, just appreciate your guys' heart just to help out with things as they come up. I don't ask super often. I, we don't have anything against passing the plate at this church, but... We just do it a little differently. We have uh, offering boxes in the back because I just believe God's people do what God's people do. And when Jesus has radically touched your life, there is a giving heart that's given and put into us where we just step up and support and give our, give our church our support. Amen? Amen? Luke 19, we're going to talk about today. Everybody say relationships. Relationships. I have been really... For the last few weeks, we talked about marriage last week, and before that, we talked about what kind of patriarch you want to be, and we've been really focusing on families. I felt led at the beginning of the year just to talk about families, talk about our our teens and our grandkids that we're trying to help raise up in the house of the Lord, and uh, how many know relationships are hard? Amen? Relationships can be really difficult, and, and our relationships within the church can be difficult sometimes. We... We, we have relationships that we, we, you know, church can be hard to come to when perhaps you feel like you're an outsider. Amen? Yes. I, I heard a story of a man one time that he wouldn't get up for church, so his mom came into the bedroom and she said, it's time for church, you've got to get up. And he said, I'm not going and I'll give you three reasons. She said, what are they? And he said, well, number one, those people don't like me. Number two, I don't like them. And number three... I'm tired. She said, well, I'm going to give you three reasons why you should go. She said, number one, those people do like you. Number two, you like them too. And number three, you're the pastor. (laughs) So you've got to get up and go. In church, this whole entire last week, I have had one character on my mind continually, and that is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is somebody that we'll look at today that had some obstacles in his way to see who Jesus was. And I know, and now 26 years following the Lord, I never want to be an obstacle from somebody seeing Jesus. I want to be an open door for other people to see Jesus. I want our church to be not an obstacle or a hindrance, but to come into a body of people that aren't going to look at you for your past, but understand that you have a hope and a future. We can become obstacles from people seeing Jesus, and we're going to look at some of those obstacles today as we look look at Luke chapter 19. And I believe God has this word on my heart. I believe it will help you. I believe it will bless you today because the word of God is living and powerful. Amen? Luke 19 verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, so short, we little man was Zacchaeus. Amen? How short was he? He was so short, he fell off the toilet one time and broke his leg. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm not going to belittle him. He was so short that he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And Lord, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek 
and save the lost. Father, for these next few moments, we honor your word. We honor the reading of your word, Father. And we ask you to come and just be in this place to tenderize our hearts. As always, Lord, if there's anything said of me, Father, let it go by the wayside. But anything said under the unction and anointing of Holy Spirit, let it go into our hearts, mine included, to change us into your image, to bear fruit in our lives. We pray this not only for those present here, but those watching online. May your presence be with them as they're home or they're traveling or wherever they may be. May your precious word find its way into their life and encourage them, challenge us today. And Lord, we pray today that we would see you first and foremost. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. What we see here in the, the character of Zacchaeus is he wanted to see Jesus. I've said this to you many times, but let me reiterate it, that I believe the world outside of these four walls want to see Jesus. I believe there's a generation that's coming and being touched mightily by the Spirit of God. And they're not about a celebrity pastor name or celebrity worship leader or about a church's denominational name. They just want the real Jesus. And what we see here in the story of Zacchaeus is there are some obstacles that were in the way that we're going to look at today. Number one, his first obstacle that he had to overcome was his reputation. Everybody say reputation. Look, Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. It says he was a chief tax collector. It's hard to imagine how disliked the figure of Zacchaeus would be. There's six times that tax collectors are mentioned in the Bible and only two are mentioned by name, one of them being Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus. And then we, of course, know that Zacchaeus is mentioned by name here in the story. And I think there's something very significant about the name of Zacchaeus, about Jesus knowing who he was, even though we don't see from the story that they had ever, they had ever met or run into each other or anything else. We see in the story that his reputation was a, as a tax collector was one of somebody who was disliked and despised. First off, to become a tax collector, you had to bribe another tax collector. So the money that he would have collected, and look, the money that he collected, what they would do, the Romans would would get local tax collectors, so this was a Jewish man collecting taxes from Jewish people, and as he would go around collecting taxes, the way the system worked is Rome would say, well, we only want so much, but anything that you, you go and get from people that's above what, they, what we want, you can keep. So imagine this scenario. You go to a little widow's house, or her husband perhaps has passed away. They probably lived their entire lives just working the land, gardening, fishing the local lakes and, and selling their wares at the market and, and probably would have been really struggling and you get a knock at the door and it's Zacchaeus the tax collector. How many like when the tax collector comes around? Oh, April's coming, y'all. So he shows up and he says, well, you owe $150, you know, dollars. And really she owed 100 but the 50 would be something he would profit from. So in the story, one of the first obstacles that we see here in the story is his reputation. He was very known, he was very hated, and he was very disliked. And oftentimes, church, some of the things that people want to come in and, and see Jesus, we can be the type of church, perhaps, that looks at people's past more than we do their future. I want you to know at Christian Center Church, we are much more concerned about your future than anything that you've done in the past. Because your reputation, when people come, you, when you come to this church, it, it, especially in a smaller town, it can be easy to think, well, they, they know what happened in the past, right? They, they know who I used to be. They, they knew these things that I used to do. But listen... When you come to God, we need to understand that God is not looking to, to punish you for your past. He's looking to bring you into a hope and a future that He has for you. Because we're far more concerned about where God's taking you than anywhere that you've been in your past. Amen? Amen. So the first place was His reputation. He was a tax collector. He was not liked. He was somebody that just wanted to see Jesus... And I actually had this experience at one time in my life. I, uh, I went with a friend to church. It was a small church, a, a little uh, small Methodist church. It was actually in the neighborhood at the end of the road in the neighborhood I grew up in. So unfortunately, a lot of those members knew me from my past, right? Yeah, yeah. So I went with my friend, and I was sitting in church, and I could see the whispers start to go on. I could see the little bit of talking about, what's he doing here? Yeah. What, why, why did he come? 
And actually, I was told later by this friend that many people approached her and said, you're not dating him, are you? (laughs) No, we're just friends. And I wanted to invite. I was not a believer. I was not a Christian. I had a reputation. And church, if we ever get to the place, much like in this story, where we're looking at people based on what we think instead of how Jesus sees them, then we're walking down a very dangerous road. We can become the type of, a lot of people get tied up in their denominations and their backgrounds and how much scripture they know and how many things. The world wants to see Jesus and I never want to be an obstacle to people seeing who Jesus is because I have a bad attitude about what I think about their sin in their life. Are you tracking with me? In this story, his reputation was an obstacle because it's not about where Jesus was going to take him. It was about who he was in his past. We can look at people and say, kind of do the whispers. Well, you know they're having problems in their marriage, right? Well, you know they got a tattoo a few weeks ago. Straight to hail. I, I didn't know hell was a two-syllable word until I moved to the south, y'all. Am I lying? Hail, Yes. In church, oftentimes we can judge people based on an appearance when Jesus wants to see him for the soul that he loves and the person that he's trying to create them and draw them because he just wanted to see Jesus. Oftentimes in church, and, and I want you to see this pattern. Let me teach you for just two minutes of what I see the pattern in the Bible. Not always, but I see a pattern. Our pattern today in the church is believe, behave, and then you belong. What the pattern I see in the life and ministry of Jesus was belong, believe, behave. So if you're visiting with us this morning, I just want you to know you've come into a place that if you come in and begin to sit around the table and worshiping Jesus, you, get, you begin to get around some on fire believing Christians. We just invite you to come and be around us because we believe something that's inside of us is going to begin to rub off on you. And, and, and some, of that, some of that fire of the Holy Spirit will get a hold of you and your behavior will change when we say in the church, well, first you've got to behave before you ever belong. Listen, the behaving comes after the belong. In the belief. That's how God works. I'm telling you, look at this story. Because his reputation was one that everybody disliked him, they despised him, and rightfully so. This was a scoundrel. He was. There's no, there's no mincing words. He was somebody that would have been taking from people of little means so he could pad his own pocket. But it says very clearly in the story, he just wanted to see Jesus. The second thing that was an obstacle, everybody say limitation. Limitation. So not just his reputation, but we see a limitation because in verse 3 it says he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Now, reputation is different than limitation because reputation, church, is what others think about you, but limitation is what you know about yourself. Are you hearing me this morning? Reputation is about what other people think about you, but the limitation that we can actually find ourselves being an obstacle to coming and being changed by Jesus is because of what we believe about ourselves. Listen, there's a lot of people present here today. A lot of people present here. You love God. You read His Word. You come to church. And, and you, you, you have this place in your life where we all get to of our limitations because it says he was short. Everybody say short. And it's not about our reputation anymore because especially if you've been living for Christ for a long time, a lot of times we're real good about putting on the mask and the suit and the smile and coming on this property and walking through the door where deep inside you know there's some kind of limitation that is keeping you from seeing who Jesus is. And it says he fell short. We all fall short of the kingdom. We all fall short of His glory, the Bible says. So the limitations are one that if we understood really what our limitations are there to do is to drive us closer to seeing who Jesus is because it's in seeing who He is that we become more like Him. 
But we look at our limitations and we say this. There's many people in this room that love God with all your heart, but you didn't feel like you could come into His presence this morning because of your limitations and the things going on in your life. Can I tell you, that is the enemy speaking into your life because I don't know about you, but I fall short all the time. Your pastor does not stand tall every single day. And neither do you. If you were here seven days ago, I promise you in the last seven days you have fallen short in some area. But what we do is we look at our limitations and we allow it to confine us. We allow it to keep us from God. We allow it to keep us from seeing who He is because we all fall short. Can I just give you some congratulations today? You're here and I'm still here. (laughs) I came to church anyway. I came to praise Him anyway. I came to glorify and see who He was anyway. Because we all fall short. You know why I keep showing up? Do you you want to know why? I'm going to tell you. Because I'm the pastor and Leah made me get up this morning. Listen, I keep showing up not because I am so good, but because He is so good. I keep showing up, not because I'm somebody special, but He's somebody special. I keep my one foot in front of the other walking this thing out with God, not because I have done anything great, because I've realized He's done it all for me already, and I begin to operate in what is already finished on the cross. Listen, when I fall short, I'm reminded of the bigness of God. This is offending some of you religious folk. I can feel it. I can feel it. But that was a limitation for him because it wasn't just about his reputation and what other people thought. You see in Zacchaeus that he couldn't see who Jesus was because of of his own limitations. Listen, we see this again all throughout the Bible. Paul dealt with the thorn in the flesh. It's debatable about what that was and what that entailed. But we do know what it caused in his life. The thorn in his flesh caused him to draw closer to God, not push him further away. And that's where the enemy enters in and begins to speak to us. No, you're, you, you, can't, you can't come to Jesus with this. Je- listen, Jesus already knows. Yeah. Repentance, I heard somebody say one time, repentance is like you're, you're on a train going the wrong way. And you've got to get off and head back the other way. Just get off and head back the other way. Amen. Head back towards God. Amen. We curse our shortness and God is using it to show us how good he really is. Everybody say, God is good. good. Listen, it says he came to seek and save that which was lost. I didn't get saved because I'm such a good finder. He guy got saved because he's such a good seeker. Anybody else testify to that? So you see his reputation, you see his limitation And then what you see in the story is population. Everybody say population. Population. Another word, because I'm rhyming these all together. Come on, somebody. Wait till you hear the next one. Took some thought. But you saw a crowd. So not only was his reputation a hindrance, and not only was his limitation, at least what he thought his limitation, of what I can't see who he is because of who I am. But the population, he could not see Jesus because of the crowd. There was so many people oppressed around the Lord, and the crowd had gathered that day. His shortness, he couldn't see over them. And I want to help you today because, listen, the crowd often determines what we see in life. The crowd often determines what we see in life. He couldn't see over the crowd. Listen, the crowd will counsel you. The crowd will disown you. Listen, the crowd will shush you when you're crying out to Jesus. <laughs> Think of blind Bartimaeus. Shh, don't bother him. Listen, when I, when I read that for the first time and I was nearly saved, I said, Lord, I'm going to cry out to you more and more and more and more because you are the one that can save, deliver, and heal and forgive me. And the crowd was pressed around and he couldn't see who Jesus is. Because listen to me this morning, the crowd can sometimes be a dangerous place. Some of you need to block some phone numbers. 
Some of you need to evaluate whether the crowd you're running with, you can see Jesus in it. Because if you can't see Jesus in the crowd you're in, then you need to get out of that crowd. Because the crowd will dictate what you see. Young people, listen to me today. The crowd that you're in will dictate what you see about Jesus because it can be a dangerous place. Be careful what crowd you're in. If you can't see Jesus around them, get away from them. What I'm talking about is finding and seeing Jesus. And your crowd will dictate whether you see Him or not. The people you surround yourself with. Listen, because seeing Jesus is far more important than being part of any crowd. Are you with me? What the Bible says next is interesting. I love this. Listen, he's, he's a scoundrel. He's unclean. He was a Jew that wasn't even allowed to go to synagogue because everybody disliked him and hated him. And all he heard was this Jesus who was healing and, and preaching and teaching and doing all the things that Jesus did. He had heard about him. And I just want to get a glimpse of this Jesus. So what is Zacchaeus to do? He, he has a bad reputation. He knows his own limitation because he's too short. He's in a crowd of people that really aren't going to help him see Jesus. And church, I want to be a church that helps people see Jesus. Not a name on a sign. Not a, not a denomination. Not a doctrine. The person of Jesus. Because when you really meet Him, your life is changed. You guys ready for the fourth one? Are you sure? (laughs) What do we do when we can't see Jesus? We do the same. I'm telling you this morning. We do the same thing that he does. Perspiration. (laughs) Say, what in the world are you talking about? Everybody dislikes me. I don't really even like myself. I'm stuck in a crowd. And we do this very same thing. So I guess I'm just going to have to perspire and climb my way up to where He is. And listen, we think that the higher we climb, the better we can see Jesus when the truth is we might just become more self-sufficient instead of God-sufficient. He's climbing up a tree and it's as if Jesus says... I didn't come to seek those who are well. I came for the sick and the, those that are, have bad reputations and those who are seeking and looking for the truth. I am right here. And, 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 and Zacchaeus, you're not supposed to go up on a tree. I'm supposed to go up on a tree. You're not supposed to try to climb to get me, but I came to seek and save that which was lost. And aren't you glad that Jesus sees you before you ever... It doesn't say in the story that He ever even saw Jesus. That, that, that is so interesting to me because it doesn't say, oh, there He is. It says Jesus saw Him. Are you not glad that Jesus saw you and made His way through the tree that you were trying to climb up? Listen, what I'm preaching you today is absolutely scandalous. Are you hearing me? It's the scandalous grace of God. Or the or the prodigal. We call it the prodigal son. It's really the prodigal father. Because we see the grace being poured out upon this one that was away. He was lost. And look, now he's found. Because if we really understood that God is looking for you and all you need to hear is your, him speak your name. This messes with us because we want to think, well, if I just sweat more. You hearing me? And and you guys, if you're visiting with us today, I'm not standing up here saying, do not be disciplined in your walk with God. Do not get the Word of God out. Do not read your... Pray. Those are the disciplines that we apply to our life, whether we feel like it or not. But I don't do it trying to earn God's favor. I do it because I already have God's favor. And that makes all the difference in the world. The scandal of grace... Is this in this in the parable of the workers? They went out and hired workers, and they they were they were fastidious, man. They were up early, and they were down waiting on the corner, waiting to be picked up by a vineyard owner to go out and work a day. And he agreed with them, "I'll hire you, and I'm going to pay you a denarii. I'm going to give you your wages. Come work in this field." And it was hard work. It was sweaty work. And there were people, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. There were people that worked from six a.m. till six o'clock at night. 
And then the, war, the, the vineyard owner goes back and he hires some a few hours later at 9 o'clock. And then he hires them at noon. And then he hires some that had only worked for three hours. And we, this group that was, that was hired first, we've been working for 12 hours. So he starts with the ones who were working the least and he pays them what he agreed to pay the people that had worked for 12 hours. And those people are standing there, and I, I can just imagine they're thinking, well, if, if the vineyard owner gave them that and they only worked three hours, I'm going to get really, truly just blessed, and they're probably going to give me ten times more than they got. And he goes down the line and he gives everybody the same pay. Let me put it in today's vernacular for you. Because they began to mutter. What did we just see in the story? They began to mutter, they began to complain. They began to get jealous. This group down here began to get jealous. The vineyard owner could hear them getting jealous. And he says to them, did I not already agree what your wages were going to be? Is it not mine to give? It's scandalous because let me put it into Danae's vernacular. He goes down the line and he says, we're three months into the year and you're doing your Bible reading for the year and you never made it out of Genesis. You hear me? What I mean is you should be up in Leviticus right now. Here's your denarii. He goes to the next group. You made it all the way to Matthew. Here's your denarii. Are you following me? You made it through Revelation 14 times. Here's your denarii. That messes with us because we think that somehow we're better to God because we do all this stuff. And when you begin to realize that Jesus has called your name, He's invited you to the table, even though everybody else may not like you, and you may not even like yourself this morning, if you would hear the voice of Jesus, then there is a change coming into your life because that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. For by grace you are saved and not of works, lest any man should boast. He began to perspire. In the Bible, I've studied this out deeply. When Jesus gave the, 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 the robe that the, the priest was supposed to wear, the priestly, priestly garb, he said, don't mix, the, don't, mix the, uh, don't mix the threads. I read that one time and I'm like, why does God care that something isn't made out of cotton and wool? He just wanted pure cotton. And it dawned on me in that moment, thou shalt not sweat. Some of you are trying so hard to get to God when you have to understand we couldn't get to Him. It's all through the Bible. Look in Genesis when they built the Tower of Babel. We will make a great name for ourselves. We will put the bricks together and get to God. We will, we will, we will. And right before that, Abraham takes Isaac to to offer him to God. And Isaac's like, yo, I'm here and you've got a knife. What's about? The Lord will provide. There's a huge difference in trying to earn your way to God and try and versus receiving what God has already done, church. Because we want to work harder, and really what God wants to do is for us just to surrender. Amen. Do you know hell's going to be full of people saying? I didn't deserve this. Do you know heaven is going to be full of people saying, I don't deserve this. Are you hearing your pastor this morning? I'm making sure you're founded on the bedrock of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you may say, well, that that means that I don't. No, we're going to get into that part next. If, if you've come to Jesus and your life hasn't changed, you didn't come and meet Jesus. There's fruit of repentance that we can look into our lives and say, God, am I really walking with you? And you evaluate it and you see the fruit of a changed life for somebody that really encounters Jesus. Have you, think about this in the story. Think about this. <laughs> the crowd knew his name, but decided to call him by his failures. Jesus deeply knew his failures and decided to call him by his name. Think about that. Man, I thought that was a lot better than what it just went over. 
the crowd called him the dirty, rotten scoundrel. And, and there's no debating today that the guy was a scoundrel. He was cheating people. He was super wealthy. He had a big house and a big car and everybody else was living in little small places where they worked hard all day and fished. And this guy was getting ahead by dishonest means. And you would think that in that crowd, and this is why they began to grumble, and we can fall into the same trap if we are not careful because we become the gatekeepers of who is worthy of salvation and who is not. And I want to tell you, you're at a church where we kick those doors wide open and we're not going to try to check your reputation. We just want Jesus to call your name during one of these services. There's no debating of his limitations and his reputation. And then he began to say, well, if, and we do this all the time. Well, God, if I can just make more money, if I can just do this right, if I could just do that right. When really what we need to begin to understand is that God is calling us by name and he wants us to see him. Because in seeing him, you will be changed from glory to glory, faith to faith. Now put yourself in this story today. You're in the crowd. You've been hearing about Jesus. He's raising people from the dead. He's healing the sick. He has this wisdom that people knew that he was teaching and preaching the words of life. Maybe he's the Son of God. Maybe he's the Messiah. We're not too sure, but I've got to just go see for myself. And listen, Jesus goes to the most hated dude in the entire area and says... Let's eat. Yes. Yep. Whoa, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Whoa, do, 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 do. You, do you know who that is? What we say, and if we're not careful, we would do the same thing that they would do because you had your Pharisees, you had your Sadducees. You had people that felt like they were more worthy to receive Jesus than this person over here was. Well, we say it all the time. Well, well, God, you know, I come and I greet at the door and I'm an usher and I tithe and I attend church and I do this and I... And again, hear your pastor this morning. All those things are things that are done out of a heart of gratitude for what he has done, not to try to earn. Amen? Amen. But Jesus doesn't do this. And, And this is so key to the story. He ignores the crowd and he goes directly to Zacchaeus the wildest, most rejected guy in the city. Why? Because that's exactly who Jesus came for. And that should fill you with hope today because I'm not concerned about your past. God has a hope and a future. Says this in verse 6, So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is going to be the guest of a sinner. All the people began to what? Mutter. Talk. Talk, talk, talk. You know what I envision, and give me a little liberty because I've been—I I have been here. I have been here. The, the, the ironic thing I'm talking about is that there are some very wonderful, upstanding, moral people, and you're far more moral and upstanding than somebody else that will walk in through that door. That's the truth. But I think even Matthew, standing there in that moment, as a tax collector who had been invited to Jesus of just come follow me, come, come belong, and then you'll begin to believe, and then you'll begin to behave like Jesus because you've now been spending time with Jesus. And even Matthew was probably like, man, I wouldn't invite him over. And you could probably see Jesus' eyes like, dude, what were you? We forget where we came from. Don't forget where God brought you out of. Don't forget what God delivered you from. Don't forget what God has forgiven you of. Listen, Christianity has nothing to offer for those who have no problems. Nothing to offer. If you came in here today and you say, man, my life is good. I don't have problem one. I'm flying through life doing great. This word right here has nothing to offer you because it is custom built for those who know that they're, they're, they're rotten, scoundrel, and, and, and Jesus gives an invitation to them, even in spite of what everybody else is saying about them. Listen, Zacchaeus deserved rejection. He did. He deserved perhaps maybe even to be rebuked by the Lord Jesus. But we don't see that, do we? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't give you what you deserved? Yes. Ah, thank you. 
D.L. Moody, the great evangelist about 150 years ago, and I love this quote. He said, Jesus saved Zacchaeus in the distance it took him to get from the limb to the ground. I don't know how long that took. He's up in a sycamore tree, maybe five, six, seven seconds. From the time it took Zacchaeus to get from the limb to the ground, Jesus changed his life. And church, I came to tell you something really simple this morning. Jesus can change your life in a matter of seconds. He changed mine at an altar. I just knelt down and I just said, God, forgive me. And man, it was like I was wrapped in a blanket of His mercy and love. Church, that still fuels me 26 years later. It still has me pursuing Him. You feel the Holy Spirit in this room, don't you? I went back to that church I went to before and I just stuck my head in the door and said, Nah, 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 nah. I'm saved. Y'all wouldn't let me in. He did. Listen to me. That made a difference because I would have never, I never stepped foot back in the place where I saw people wagging their fingers and talking about, I knew what, I, I knew what they were doing because she told me later on, yeah, they're telling me to get away from you. I'm like, you should. I wasn't saved. I wasn't following Christ. But listen, I've told you guys this story, but I, I come into, I came into a church that grew from 12 people in 1991. I got saved in 97. So in six years, there were over 600 people in that church. And 75% of them were brand new believers. And I've told you this before. These people didn't come out of seminary. The dude who run the sound was named Bear. He was about 6'6", 300-pound ex-biker. Tattoos up and down his arms. And man, when, when Bear would get a hold of you to hug you, he'd lift you up off the ground and squeeze you. And I came to that church service with my family because they'd been attending there for several months. My mom had rededicated her life. My older brother rededicated his life. My younger brother got radically touched and saved at that altar. And I thought, what is going on in my family? i got to rescue them from this. <laughs> I mean, I was like ready to do an intervention because I walked in that room and it was, it was uh, bigger than this. It had you know, sides that went out. They had one building, 250 people, and then they knocked out the wall and... Another 250 people had gotten saved, so in five, six years. And I was one of those people later on, but I left that day. But here's what I left, and I was driving home, and here was the thought. They have something. I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to really, I didn't want to acknowledge it. And here's the other beautiful thing. I told somebody, I came to a second service, and I looked at him and said, I'm way too messed up for Jesus ever to accept me. He said, you ain't got nothing on me. He told me three minutes of his testimony. I'm like, you're way more messed up than I am, bro. You mean to tell me Jesus changed your life? And if we're not careful, we can become a part of the crowd that mutters more about who Jesus is after. Then we become a part of the solution because these people just loved on me and took me in. And listen, man, when I, when I got saved, it was radical. There's still people my family run into up in Ohio. What, well, what's Jason doing now? He's a pastor. And they're like, what? <laughs> huh? Just a few months ago, my brother ran into one of the guys I grew up around, and he just looked, and he was like, wow. He looked at my brother and said, he was something. My brother said, I know. I'm a trophy of God's grace, period. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't even really looking for him. I wasn't. I wasn't. But Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, got stuck in the crowd, got stuck in his own limitations. That almost, that almost tripped me up because I simply said, I'm, I'm way too far gone for Jesus ever to call my name. Listen, you're never too far gone. You're never too far gone for him to touch your life. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Boom, right there, church. From the distance, from the limb to the ground, he is so transformed, he's now talking crazy talk. (laughs) Don't miss this. Don't miss this, okay? Will everybody listen to me for 60 seconds? He didn't do it to get 
the approval of Jesus. He did it because he had gotten the approval of Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world. I'm so glad I didn't have to do anything to get his approval. He approves, the Father approves of the life of the Son. And when you come in faith and you repent of your sin and you turn away from that and you begin heading in the other direction, let me tell you what happens. God approves of the Jesus in you and covering you. And that's how we come into his presence, not because we're so wonderful, but because he is so wonderful. My point is, Zacchaeus didn't deserve an invitation from God. You didn't deserve an invitation from God. The only reasonable response to seeing the extravagant love of God is extravagant sacrifice and devotion. That's the only reasonable response. The reason I say that is because by law, when he acknowledges that he's cheated people and finally fessed up to it, by Jewish law, he would only have to give 20% back to the poor and 20% back to whoever he stole from. He is saying... Lord, I'm going to give 400% back. And you may have experienced that radical love. You may have experienced that radical forgiveness. You may have experienced that amazing grace of Jesus. And can I tell you what my response was when I experienced it? Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. You want me to sell my business and move? Yes, sir. You want me to be apart from my family for 26 years? Yes, sir. You want me to marry a Louisianan? It's a joke, y'all. You want me to move to Louisiana? Yes, sir. You want me to go on the mission field? Yes, sir. Because in that moment, my life was no longer my own. And I can't say that I've done everything I've done out of a 100% heart of just pure, just love. There's been a lot of kicking and screaming going on in my life. Dragging me. Amen. Amen. It's like that cute little painting you see where Jesus, you know, when I only saw one footprint, he carried me. Some of you have drag marks in the sand. <laughs> Just, Jesus has got you in a headlock. Look, if you're visiting today, it's not always like this. I'm much more serious. Hey, I'm 50 in a couple months, so let me have my fun. Distinguished pastor's coming. Maybe. I'm, I'm having second thoughts. I was trying to grow my hair out and I just don't have any, so. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Don't ever forget this. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came because it's not the well who need a physician, it's the sick. And we live in a sick world that needs to see the real Jesus. That does not mean, church, that we do not take a stand against the agenda that's going on in our country. But you can stand against agendas and love the people caught up in deception. And love them through the wake-up call. So let me end with this. Stand with me, Buddy and Alexis, if you guys would come and just play back there behind me. I think there's some significance, and here's what I want to end with. I think there's some, when the Bible clearly says, it could have just said, and Zacchaeus perspired, ran ahead. So in other words, I'm going to, to exert my effort to try to get to and see Jesus. When in the story, it, it, it says he never even saw him. It wasn't until Jesus began to call his name yes. and identify and say, hey, Zacchaeus, come down from there. But the tree that's mentioned there in the story is a sycamore tree. There's got to be some kind of significance there. And I was a horticulturalist and a landscape designer for years and worked a lot with trees. I worked for Davy Tree Company until I started my own business. So we had to learn the Latin names of trees, and we had to learn all this stuff. And sycamores were one of my favorite trees, but they weren't good for anything. They weren't. Kind of like a buckeye tree. (laughs) 
the fruit was no good. It was worthless. The fruit was not known to... to the fruit was bland. Can I tell you what your life is like without Jesus? It's bland. Can I tell you what it's like with Jesus when you'll come down out of the tree of your own good works and receive Him by faith? Then fruitfulness begins to come in and out of your life. Unless you have kids. I have Holy Spirit Jr. living in my house right now. Right over there. She said, Dad, we learned about the fruit of the Spirit here recently. Let me talk to you about your patience. I said, get out of my car before I lose my patience on you. Church, we are to exhibit the fruit. And I I corrected her. I said, "Let, let, let me preach to you as I'm preaching to myself. It's not fruits with an S. It's not a buffet of fruit. Fruit. The Holy Spirit's not a buffet when He comes into your life. So you can have a lot of long-suffering in this area of your life with your spouse or your kids or whatever situation you're going through. And then you lose your patience all the time. There's something wrong somewhere in there. Right? So sycamore trees were known not to have very good fruit or it had no flavor. But can can I tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Number two, the roots of a sycamore tree, their roots go really deep and they're very hard to uproot. If you see a storm come through, whether it be up north, and sycamore trees are much more prevalent up north, when they come through, the roots go super deep. And my point is not to be just rooted in faith. That's important. But some of you need to pull up the roots of your own good works in your life because they're actually hindering you from walking with God. Some of you have, have laid claim to a denomination There's nothing wrong with denominations. But if that becomes your identity, then Jesus is no longer your identity. Our doctrines become our our identity. In other words, what are you rooted in? Are you rooted in the grace of God? Because that is the only thing that will keep you nourished and to keep you moving forward. And then the third thing that I studied about sycamore trees is the wood. This is where I'm going to end. The wood was not good for anything. But the Egyptians, according to scholars, Egyptians would come over and they would collect any sycamore trees and and bring them back to the country of Egypt and they would make coffins out of them. (laughs) Tell me the Lord isn't speaking. Wasn't good for fruit, deeply rooted. And listen to me today. What God is calling you to do is to die to yourself. Die to your reputation. Some of you walked in here and and you've got a sterling reputation. You've got a reputation where you say to yourself, man, life's good, my family's good, my business is good, all these things are good in my life. Listen, the good can can become the enemy of the best of God if we're not careful because anything that pulls us away from simple devotion, and listen to me, Dying to ourselves so that we can live to Him. Amen? Amen. Bow your head and close your eyes. The Holy Spirit's here. And And I hope that as He's moved in on you this morning as I've presented this word to you. Simple word. But many of you have been trying to run harder and climb higher. And this morning what I desire is just for you to hear the voice of Jesus. This, this whole sermon was birthed out of a song coming on to my prayer time iPod that I wasn't expecting to come on. And it's Tasha Leonard Cobb. And she began singing, He knows my name. Anytime I hear that song, it just makes me weep and pour my heart out before God. Because even after 26 years, I can't believe that He called my name. I was that guy you didn't want in your church. I was that guy you didn't want dating your daughter. But listen to me, I was so broken, like Zacchaeus. That was my reputation. And oftentimes, what other people will say about you, church, could be, in fact, true. But Jesus doesn't come to us and lift up the whole litany of everything that's wrong. He just points you to who is right. 
And when you begin to encounter who is right, Jesus is the righteousness of God Himself. Not me, Him. And you come to Him with an honest heart and you say, God, I want to die to that old self. Listen to me. The new birth miracle will happen in your life. It says this, Whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So what happens? What happens when you call upon the name of Jesus and you really see Him? His life begins to infuse into your life. And there's something in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. In church, they don't write down how tall you are or aren't or what your weight is or what your history is. It just has a name. So when you call upon His name, your name gets written down in His blood because that's the only thing that can save, heal, and deliver is the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want to ask this question. You say the Holy Spirit is just pulling on me. We don't. The, the whole point of what I'm about to say isn't to somehow try to emotionally give you a pull of, uh, into something. I just want to introduce you to Him this morning. I want to introduce you to the, to, to the life-giving presence of Jesus. And when you see Him, you will be changed. So when I ask this question, you just say, I, I've tried to climb up the tree and get to God, and today I'm going to come down and just come to Him with an honest heart of saying, Lord... Forgive me, Lord, wash me clean. Lord, come into my life and change my heart. That's as, God did not make this hard. So I want to ask that question. You just say, this morning I want to, I want to die to myself and I want, to, I want to receive and accept Jesus into my life, into my heart. Could you just shoot your hand up wherever you are? Anybody in this room, you just say, I want to come to Him. Amen. 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 There's people here present that have felt that pull of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been away from God and God is is calling your name to come back into a place of relationship with Him. So let's all pray this together. Listen, as you're praying this, it it is out of our mouth we confess. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. What do you believe? That Jesus Christ is who He said He was. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of the living God. And He died to wash away your sin. That's what you're confessing today. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, we come to You today humbly and with an understanding that we are apart from You. But You have made a way through the blood of Jesus that we can be forgiven We can be healed and we can be delivered. I confess now that Jesus, You are Lord. You are Savior. I ask You to forgive me, to wash me clean, to come into my life, change my heart. I want to see You. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise for these who came into the kingdom today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me bless you today. Lift those hands, Christian sinners. I dismiss. Dismiss you with the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and may He keep you. May He make His face turn towards you and shine upon you. And may He give you peace and may He give you rest. Father, I pray this congregation will be blessed as they come in and blessed as they go out. Watch over us and surround us with your angels. God, keep us until we're gathered back together at your appointed time. God, we bless each person here and those who aren't able to be here today, Father, our whole extended family of the, of the people of God. We bless them today in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Love you. Go in the name of the Lord, church, and be blessed.